There's a growing body of evidence suggesting that POC have a hard time dating and meeting people who genuinely find them attractive in a way that does not fetishize their race or ethnicity. Welcome to Estoy Aquí. We are your hosts, Catherine Castro and Catherine Borgen, Somos Carreras de Cultura e Justicia, bringing you your bi weekly dose of spice. Pero hello, bro. So, what are we talking about today, Kathy? We are talking about America's largest generation, millennials. Hmm. Though we are the biggest generation this country has ever produced and arguably the best. I mean, think about it. We're the best educated of any generation. We vote at a way higher rate than any of our previous generations have. We worry about carbon footprints and global warming. Shit, that's important. Girl. But above all these really positive characteristics, we're considered the hookup generation. Bueno, they might have a point. Uh, I guess, but... I was looking into some research online, and the reason that we're considered this hookup generation is because we arguably belong to a generation that download their love lives in an app store. I mean, most of the things that I've read <laughs> online blame dating apps for our short romantic dating spans, relentless one-night stands, but we're having less sex, which is surprising to me because that hasn't been the case for my year, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Data published recently in the Archives of Sexual Behavior says that millennials hold the most permissive sexual attitudes of any generation, though they chose to have sex with fewer partners than Gen Xers did at the same age. We're disconnected because we date through phone screens. That's very true. To continue on to this social phenomenon, the CDC reports that STD rates are are at an all-time high, which, again, doesn't correlate back to the assumption or according to the latest data out there that millennials are having... Espera, 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 espera. Un minuto. One minute. You're saying that we're having less sex, but we're having more STDs? What the fuck? Mm-hmm. People, wrap your shit up. Hide your kids, hide your wives. When you hear this shit, <laughs> your brain's gonna blow. All right, rates of syphilis and gonorrhea and chlamydia have climbed for the fourth consecutive year in this country. Girl. <laughs> yes, yes, hide yourself. <laughs> like, last year, nearly 2.3 million cases of STDs have been diagnosed, and that's the highest number ever reported, breaking the 2016 record. So just to give you, like, an overall kind of landscape on this, in 2013, there were 1.8 total cases of chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis diagnosed. Meanwhile, in 2017, we had 2.9, almost 3 million cases. And it's important to note that this preliminary data is eight months out of date, but there's really no reason to think that these increases aren't being felt way into the 2018-2019 year. Dude, this is scary, especially as someone who's become single like recently mm-hmm. i'm gonna just hide in my room in a cave like that's it <laughs> like <laughs> i mean you are a cat lady so you're right you're right anyway mm-hmm. yeah i think i mean i just find these data points really interesting and i think it's important for us out there who are dating you know as millennials and again unfortunately we've been labeled a soak of culture but there's so much that we do offer technological advances again we care about global warming and greenhouse gases unlike our previous generations um we just be safe out there be conscientious of we what you're doing with your body, what you're exposing yourself to and what you're exposing others to. Um, just be more conscientious about that. That was all I had to say. Public service announcement. Yeah, right. Burn, 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 burn. 
now that we have that PSA out there, um, as some of you might already know, we conduct surveys as part of the podcast once in, every once in a while so we can get uh, a different perspective onto what's really going on out there. Like Kathy and I are not the only ones being out there and experiencing these things. And we want to have this connect with you guys and bring your issues and things that you guys want uh, to the table. So we post them not only on our own social media outlets, we post it on places like Reddit and... Um, we post it Reddit, Instagram, Facebook, just... And then we have friends also kind of share the links around to people and their networks. Exactly. So we can get results outside of our friend and family group. KB, you want to get into the highlights? Sure. So uh, one, of, one of the most recent surveys we did was around dating. And we know dating as a millennial sucks. And we just wanted to hear from you guys and bring your voice to the table on, um, you know, what you guys were going through, what you were feeling and what your thoughts and opinions were on the matter. So I guess some brief highlights in this survey. So 76% were female, of course, 20% were male. The ages were between 19 and 38. Interestingly enough, 88% prefer meeting organically. 35% prefer meeting on a dating app. And 50% of these people have used these dating methods um, five or more years. And only 52% find it fulfilling, Kathy. How sad is that? Again, I'm going to circle back and I'm going to say this a lot this episode. It's the disconnect. People throw people away. It's so easy. Mm -hmm. It's so easy nowadays. It is. Anyway, so there are quite a few takeaways that I took from this survey. Like I really sat down and like introspected. I had to do like a little meditation before and after. So Half of our participants felt like this societal pressure to settle down. And hmm. which is so interesting because you're disconnected, but you want to settle down. And how are you going to find someone to settle down with if you can't feel connected? Right. I recently, like I said before, I became single not too long ago and I decided it'd be fun to kind of explore. We're going to say it was for research for this episode. Um, <laughs> Tinder and Bumble. And it was so boring. Like, people just don't have anything to bring to the table. And I deleted it, like, three days later. But do you think that was a fair assumption? Just because, again, one, you only gave people a few days to make a case for themselves. And then, two, you didn't really meet them in person. So, you, I don't know. Do you think that's fair? I just personally rather meet someone in person because I get I, I got bored. Like, you mm. you connect with someone. And all, all I got in my inbox was, hey, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's up? Like, seriously, whether then again, you got to take into consideration. I do live in Western North Carolina. That's neither here nor <laughs> there. So to get back to what I was saying, people feel like they have this societal pressure to settle down. And nearly everyone that took our survey has been ghosted. And according to their responses, a lot of these people weren't happy about it. Personally, I wouldn't either, dude. Would you? Uh, I'm in a different place, and I guess we can get into that later. But it's it, it's a shitty thing, a very very shitty thing. But I feel like I've accepted it as as an expectation but or as a standard. Have to? Should you have to? I, I mean, no. But I've just accepted it as my reality. Unfortunately, I mean, I've never been ghosted by someone who I've been intimate with. Uh, but fuck, man, this shows like a complete lack of remorse with our generation or empathy, rather. Like, I. Came across this really interesting article that Vice published recently where people were trying to explain, get this, explain 
there are different kinds of ghosting and they classify them into different types of ghosters and ghosts. Yeah, like... <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so there's two different ones that I took away from this. They're the accidental ghosters, the ghosters that forget to respond to texts and hope to open the door again later, but then by the time they realize that they want to open that door, it's too late. So they feel like it's better to ghost than to actually apologize for ghosting and then ghosting again later. Which, again... If you don't got time for it, then don't fucking message me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I've probably been there. Um, I'm the fuck boy. Yeah, you're you're the fuck boy in this relationship because I'll hold the mirror real high so you can see <laughs> that you're what you're doing is not Thanks. okay. <laughs> don't drop it on me, please. <laughs> and then the second kind of ghoster is the self care ghoster. So these kind of people tell themselves that it's okay for them to ghost someone because they're putting themselves first. They're they're putting their needs first, which I totally, totally understand. Self-care is the first thing in my book. I love myself more than anyone else. However, my biggest problem with this situation is the thoughtfulness of someone else. Like, how does it make someone else feel when you just drop them? I hold my friends and the people around me accountable when they say that they've ghosted people because there's a big difference between putting yourself first and just having a lack of remorse and straight up inconsi- being inconsiderate of others. And I very much believe in the universe. I'm very spiritual. And you get what you put out. So for those of you who ghost, it's going to come right back to you. No, I completely agree, Kathy. And I think that those self-care ghosters, I wouldn't even consider that as like a valid category <laughs> of a ghoster. I mean, ghosting is shitty, point blank. I don't understand these categories. I mean, self-care ghosts, like that's unhealthy. Just because you <laughs> want to avoid social anxiety or a panic attack and you get defend yourself by saying you don't owe anything to anyone. Like, get a, yeah, get, it's 2018, get a therapist. You can do it online, down on an app. Come on, guys, like... I don't know. It's just self-care goes. That's just selfish. That's selfish behavior. And it's unhealthy. I mean, I don't want to shit all over anyone that listens to us that that does ghost. And you say that you have ghosted. And your reasoning behind it was that it's something that you've accepted as a culture, right? Yeah. But the change starts with you. Like, I personally don't accept ghosting. And I don't ghost people or at least I don't think I have. If I've ghosted you, please slide into my DM and I will apologize. Like, <laughs> but here's the thing. There are different levels of ghosting. So did I ghost after like our first, hey, how are you? Or did I ghost after our second, third, fourth, fifth date? You know what I'm saying? And what I mean by ghosting is maybe like we'll start chatting and then we'll kind of switch from like the app to a text message. And then after the text mes- a few text messages, we just kind of like- Fell off fell off you know and again it's not that I intentionally stopped talking to someone or had you know instilled some hope in someone else that things were going to move forward or anything was going to come out of this it was more like the conversations died and I didn't make an effort myself to go back and you know revive that or find interest again I just kind of let it go so I don't know if that's you'd consider that ghosting but that's I guess it falls in a spectrum, no? Like, that would be, like, at the far end of the spectrum, and then at the end would be, like, I'm ready to marry you, and then I just drop off, right? But, Mm. like, in these articles, and, like, I've been, I've read so many blogs about people just being devastated, like, they're dating someone, and then out of nowhere, from one day to the next, they just don't come around, they don't call, they don't respond, and that is probably the most fucked up way to ghost someone. That's just not owning up to your bullshit. I think setting people up for an expectation that you're not able to actually meet 
and then ghost them, that is fucked up. And I would consider that a level of ghosting. But sometimes shit just dies off between two people. Yeah, I get that. But on a happier note, I need to let you know what my favorite comment was to a question that we posted. One of the questions that we asked was what people are looking at at this point in their lives, right? Like if they're looking for hookups or a serious relationship, maybe a marriage. And dude, do you know what this respondent said? What? They said, I quote, none. I just want to do me and my girls. No one has ever asked you asked me if I want to be single on purpose. And honestly, yes, fucking queen. You're 100% <laughs> right. No one does ask you. And I actually recently read an article where millennial women are choosing to stay single, girl. They're choosing to stay mm. single. And I'm going to get that. on board with that. I'm on that choo-choo train. <laughs> Seriously, though, like, with women of our age are looking to, or, like, in our generation, are looking to focus on their careers, advance their degrees, work on yourself, and they're not settling for just anyone. So to the person who responded like that, meet us on South Beach for a drink, girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so most of us know that dating as a millennial is hard enough with all these like screen dating, online dating shit, like Tinder and Bumble, OkCupid and stuff. But dude, it's a completely different experience to date now as a millennial, as a person of color or someone who identifies with the LGBTQ community. Amen. Girl, tell me I'm not right. Mm-mm. No, it's so true. I mean, most of my friends out here in D.C. Are, are women of color, people of color, and their experiences dating has been tremendously different from my white peers. Um, and it, it's significant. I mean, what have you kind of learned along the way about this? So from my personal experience, and again, from having Tinder and Bubble for a couple of days, I live in Western North Carolina. I live in a town called Asheville. Here, while I had this app, I found no one that looked like me or very few people. It was very difficult for me to find POC. POC mm-hmm. that I was attracted to, personally. I'm not the only one with the same ent- like sentiment. So because of that, I've learned that there are different kinds of apps. Like BAE, it's an acronym. Um, and... There's Soul Swipe. There's also Chispa that they were created to kind of eat. <laughs> yes, shout out to my Latinx fam. But I've learned that all of these were created because other people aren't feeling connected on these websites that or these apps that are made to connect people, right? And mm. recently I read that there's a, I quote, there's a growing body of evidence suggesting that POC have a hard time dating and meeting people who genuinely find them attractive in a way that does not fetishize their race or ethnicity. Ooh. Girl. Yeah. One mm-hmm. fucking hundred, baby. You hit the nail mm-hmm. on the head. It's true. OkCupid okay, has even like shared data that states that Asian men and black women were the least preferred compared to other races and ethnicities. Like, what yeah oh my god check it out it's all over the internet it's just a little mind-boggling to me i mean i kind of can see where this is coming from like my um african-american or african um you know lady friends out here have the worst dating experiences like hands down i can relate to that at some level i remember like the first guy that i dated here in dc he was this white dude from the south um and it was my first time ever dating um someone out of my culture um and i just 
couldn't help but feel like he was fetish fetish how do you say that fetishizing fetishizing Fetishizing. (laughs) yeah doing that to me like I just really couldn't help but feel that and he would just constantly comment how beautiful I was and how great I was and this and that and it was flattering at first but those are the things I want to hear like I know I know those as truths yes you know and I would like to hear something a little more profound than that yes like yeah mm -hmm. it it does like take you back when it's like when you really think about it and it's like are you around because you think I'm a great individual or do you are you around because you just want to check me off of this box like Latina check thick girl check Yep. Curly hair. And he check. only dated Latin Latinx women. He only dated them. So that that was like a, a red a red flag for me. And I asked him, I'm like, do you only date like Latinx women? He's like, you know, the thing is I'm not attracted to white women because that's all I grew up around. And I, I could get that to an extent, but I don't know, it just didn't feel right. Needless to say that didn't last very long at all. <laughs> all I'm saying is there's more to people than just what they look like right i know that people nowadays live busy lifestyles you're not just working your job you have children people millennial people in our generation have kids now they they have maybe two jobs they have passion projects like we do i'm busy as hell so tinder and bumble facilitates that i know it's Mm -hmm. catering to these people but it also kind of gives this culture where it's based on i'm gonna judge you based on what you look like right I'm going to give you two minutes of my time. I only gave Tinder and Bumble two, three days. So I'm, <laughs> I I fall victim to that too. I'm not perfect, but it gives you like this culture where like it's difficult to meet people of substance here and to like not get ghosted and to meet people that are have the same ideals and goals and life visions and views that you do, right? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult already as is, but then when you're a POC living in a place that wasn't made for you or meant for you to be in institutionally, then that just gets, that adds a whole other layer to the equation, so. But what does dating even mean anymore? Dude, I know. What do you consider dating be? Ooh, um, wow. So... <laughs> I would say dating is just getting to know someone at um, you know a deeper level. I wouldn't say it needs to be exclusive. Um, it's for me. I think it's okay to date around. I personally am not the kind of person that dates around. I'm a serial monogamous girl. We're preaching to the choir. I can't handle more than one person at a time. Um, it's just a personal preference of mine. And yeah, I don't know. I really honestly haven't really thought about this, but I consider dating, getting to know somebody at a a deeper level, really wanting to understand someone's life, someone's background, where they're going um, and seeing if there's a future with that. Um, And I really wouldn't consider that a relationship in itself. Again, dating is more of the preliminary steps of figuring out, do I want to, you know, continue something further with this person? So that's just what dating is to me. What about you? Honestly, so when I was a kid, Growing up, my mom always told me, like, you're young, date around. Make sure you get a sample from each, like, flavor. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But Party sample pack. (laughs) (laughs) But I, like you, am a serial monogamist. I can't handle it. It's too much. I have too much on my plate. And then if I decide that I want to start dating someone, I can't just do, like, three at once. And no, no puedo. I can't. Like, it's, it's, it's a headache. So if I decide to share my life or spaces of my life with you, um, it's one at a time. And like, get in line, take a ticket. Um, 
<laughs> um, no, but really, um, I like dating for me is building a foundation, really. So I'm a 28-year-old woman who has had quite a bit of life experience and I feel like the most important thing to do when you're dating someone is to create this foundation, right? You build something with someone and if you want to structure it, like think of it like a house. Like you can't build a house on nothing. You need a foundation. If not, it's going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's what dating is. You're going to start taking the tools together to build this foundation. And if you don't like the foundation, you break that shit down and build another one. You know what I'm saying? No, that's true. And I think most importantly, when you're dating someone or when you're out there is really setting the expectations off the bat. You know, maybe not the first date or second date, but that conversation needs to happen a little bit early on personally, Mm -hmm. where it's like, what are your expectations? What are you looking for? That's only fair. It's only fair to to keep everyone kind of in check. Make sure that no one ultimately ends up getting hurt. Yeah, I'm really curious to know because I never really dated in Miami. How is like that? How was that for you? I was in relationships and I dated like a little bit here and there, but um, I just didn't take it seriously. But it's only because I was so young, you know, that I just didn't take anything as a concrete final answer, like as this was it, you know. For me, it was all learning experiences. Um, and of course, I was the best partner that I could be and I was learning through this, learning how to be a better person for myself for others, being more conscientious of others, other people's needs and um, feelings. So it was just learning for me, I would say. That's the most important thing, right? Like dating, like everything else in your life is a learning experience. And if people don't fall into your criteria, that's okay. Like, mm-hmm. It's okay for you not to mesh well with someone. It's okay for you guys to realize that this person isn't bringing the, what you need or what you want to the table. So mm-hmm. going back to what you originally t- said or said a few seconds ago, it's okay for you to set these expectations and let people know what they are. So that way, at the end of it, when you're like, hey, you know, I let you know that this is what I wanted and, you know, I don't think it's working out. It's fine because it doesn't catch someone off guard. Exactly. Which is, And I think going back to your question of like dating in Miami and that experience in Miami, I... I did feel that pressure culturally there is just very Latin American. Um, most of the uh, city is first generation. 70% is foreign born. So that um, culture of getting married young and having kids young is very much still there. So I did feel somewhat that pressure to mm. find someone to be more serious with. And I was seeing my friends moving in with their significant others really early on. And deep down, it was not something I craved. It wasn't something I wanted because not only was I raised differently in terms of like setting my own clear goals as an individual and being you know very individualistic Mm, um, yes especially for my mom my mom was like the first feminist that I ever met like she was all about getting your bags like doing things for yourself your career is never gonna wake up the next day and tell you doesn't love you anymore like very, very focused on yourself and oneself and so I was very like that I was very studious as you remember um I was very hardworking, and I just didn't really invest a lot of my time and energy in looking to get married or settle down with someone I always felt a little awkward in that sense because I felt like the people that I was dating wanted that in some way or were also looking for that but because of societal pressure not because it was something they actually wanted so I don't know it just felt a little awkward for me 
dating in in Miami, to be quite honest with you. Do you still feel the same now that you're in D.C.? Absolutely not. No, it's such a different world out here. I mean, you're not you're not going to walk down the street and see like a family younger than maybe like 35 with kids. You know, like it's it's a very young city. It's full of young professionals, very, you know, ambitious um, people who want to make changes in the world. And to really climb the ladder, especially as a woman and as a, a woman of color, I don't want to say that having kids or having a family is an impediment, but it does make things a lot harder. Yeah. (laughs) Tremendously harder. So, and again, it's not something I personally aspire to want right now. Um, Like, I want to wait. I want to get my career in line and all these other things in line. Um, And it just, it feels a lot different dating here because everyone's on the same page. Everyone is very clear about, like, their career goals and what they're here for, why they moved to this really tough city. So it's, it's, it's different. You know, it's a different pace. It's a different way of maneuvering the world. And I feel a lot more comfortable dating here than I did in Miami. Well, I mean, Miami, it's funny because my sister sent me a meme on Instagram the other day. And she's, uh, it was like, oh, y donde esta novio season is coming. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. Donde esta novio, for those of you who don't speak Spanish, is where is your boyfriend? And that's legit the first question they ask when you go to holiday parties. Donde mm-hmm. está novio? I know I'm gonna get that question. He donde está fulanita? I'm not trying to answer that shit. Like it's mm-hmm. <laughs> no. So you're right. Mm-mm. And donde está tu papá? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. She. No, you didn't. <laughs> Where's your dad, bitch? <laughs> bueno. Anyway, it's true. There's you're right. There's a different like push for. What are you doing and when are you settling down? ¿Y dónde están mis nietos? Kind of mm-hmm. deal. Yeah. Out in Miami that I feel over here, personally, um, I live in a definitely a smaller uh, community than you do. I don't feel like that's the case here. People are more free-spirited. Everyone is just doing their own thing and making sure that they're happy and their goals are met and they're making sure they're living their best lives here. You know what I mean? At least from what I can gather... Um, our survey results say something, uh, but also um, a little background on that survey. Most of our participants are from Miami, so that is a little bit skewed in that sense. So here, I feel like people don't have that sense of like, oh, well, I need to get married tomorrow and have kids because it's about to be too late. I'm 38 and I'm, 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 it's going to finish now for me. If I don't do it now, it's never happening kind of deal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there are some people out there that feel that way. But in general, I feel like it's more of a, I'm just going to do me and focus on me first kind of deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is great because that's where I'm at personally. Yeah, I feel like here it's the same way. And again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting a family. There's nothing, you know, at whatever age, whenever you feel ready, when you found that partner, like there's nothing wrong with wanting to be with someone and intertwine your life with somebody else. Like I support that every, you know, cada quien to each their own. Of course, of course. But for me personally, I never felt like that was something I deeply wanted or like I was working towards that. I was just working on me and being in a place that I would I don't want to say it didn't, it didn't foster me to to do that because I did ultimately but it was just all around me again everyone getting married having kids very young buying houses I mean, look and, at our parents. and it's just exactly my mom had me when she was 23 I'm 28 right now I cannot imagine having two kids right now Seriously, like I dude. can barely take care of myself girl so 
it's just, it's, it's tough. I know. Tough. My mom, same thing. She had me when she was 25, and I'm over here like, bueno, I have two cats. <laughs> <laughs> and I just have a mortgage and debt. Hey. Yeah, millennial life. Not a house exactly, but a piece of paper on the wall. <laughs> that millennial life, baby. That millennial mm-hmm. life. Pero, yeah, just dating around and learning these, like having these experiences and Feeling that disconnect with people. My preferred dating method, personally, I am very much in the beer industry and I love to go out and have different beer at different bars. So if you can approach me and talk to me about beer, let's t- I can talk to you all day. But if- Take notes, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can't approach me at a bar or like at a library or at a park, then why are we talking? You know what I mean? Why am I going to talk to you on an app if you can't talk to me in person? That's true, girl. That's all you, though. You're right. That's me. Take notes. Kathy, interestingly enough, only 26% of millennials are married. So it feels like a lot of us are mostly single and just waiting much longer for commitment. And I think technology, again, as we have spoken, these dating apps and all, just it's made the world smaller, which means we can meet like-minded people faster. And we have an array of options and people to kind of try out and see if things mesh with them you know yeah i know i've been knocking on these online dating apps and more power to you guys if you do use them and i'm not trying to judge in any way shape or form but the bright side about this about using these sites it's that it connects you with different people that you might not have met before right and technology has made a smaller world which means they connect with like-minded people faster that's probably the best pro that i would take away from online dating and Honestly, not surprised that 26% of millennials are married and the rest of us are single as fuck. <laughs> single A, <laughs> capital AF, bold, italics, underlined, everything. like Exclamation point, yeah. upside down exclamation <laughs> point in the front. Like, see. I mean, at the end of the day, I think we're all, millennial or not, we're all seeking the same things. You know, we're looking for meaningful, well-defined relationships. And it's understandable. I mean, there's a longitudinal study that Harvard found that meaningful relationships actually extend your life. So no matter how much shit you go through in your life, whether you get sick, you have a series of tragedies and illnesses and things like that and that's in your in your life and having meaningful relationships and having a support group of people that know you that understand you that can be there for you and vice versa extend your life i think dating has been a lot you know it's more fluid today that than it has been in the past but we're all looking to have that meaningful connection with someone else as you said there's a disconnect and we're all seeking to change that to build a gap between that disconnect with others um because relationships are at the end of the day are supposed to increase our quality of life that's what they're meant for to increase our quality of life yeah girl so what are we doing i mean take relationships in general i know that this episode's about dating as a millennial but just relationships in general as long as they're healthy uh take us for example we've been friends for almost 20 years and you're the healthiest relationship i've ever had and oh. it's the most meaningful, like it's meaningful and it's long and it's, it harbors like this sense of like community, right? Like when I have no one else, you turn to these people. So there's that at the end of the day, that's what you're looking for when it comes to a partner. What you're looking for is someone who is your partner and can be by your side and this will help improve your quality of life. The being single is great and all, love yourself and put yourself first, but... At the end of the day, for those of us that do want partners and want to settle down, it 
it's shown to improve our lives. And I feel like for the most part, it has when it comes to my personal relationships that I've had in the past. And everyone's deserving of what they what they want and need as long as they're putting the effort and they're putting you know reciprocating the same things to others yeah girl you get what you put out you do the universe is real and it listens and it pays attention and then when you put that good good energy in the world it will give it back to you tenfold today's cocotazo uh and for those of you who don't know what a cocotazo is the kathy a resident Nicaraguense explained. <laughs> Cocotazo means a slap in the face, but not only is it slapping you physically, it's slapping you in your dignity. Yes, yes it is. So for today's Cocotazo, we're going to give it to all of those people out there who have ghosted our survey respondents because, like I said, not cool. Boo. Yeah, sorry guys. Um, I'm <laughs> booing you too, Kathy. Boo. Um, (laughs) I take responsibility for my actions good you should because ghosting not cool these responses honestly kind of made me put me in my feels because there's some people there that like were consistently dating someone and bam out of nowhere like a train it hit them. Mm-hmm. I wanted to read a few of them um, so that kind of got to me. So one was, the survey question was, have you ever been ghosted? If yes, what was the experience like? If no, what are your thoughts on it? So one respondent said, yes, it was very lame slash hurtful. I invested my feelings into someone who wasn't mature enough to communicate that they wanted to end things. He also wasn't emotionally mature or balanced to deal with having emotions for someone else. They knew this, but continued to waste my damn time until they ghosted. <laughs> Childish. Isn't that the case? 99% of the time. I don't know. Just for my experience. It's lame as fuck. Don't go and start something with somebody else when you have feelings for someone else. And if you're trying to get over the other person, you need to have already have identified the fact that you are trying to get over this person and there's no way in how you're going to get back with them because you are on that path of moving forward. If you're still stuck, then don't. Grow up. That's selfish. Selfish. Cocotazo to you and your mama. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I can't. I'm upset. Bueno, this wraps up our episode, Dating as a Millennial. Thank you all so much for tuning in and listening to us. We really appreciate your support. Follow us on Instagram at Estoyaki Podcast and send us a DM with any suggestions, any feedback, recommendations for episodes through our DMs. This episode was brought to you by Betty V. Borgen, our marketing liaison slash social media extraordinaire, Maria Wirtel, taking on editing and production, and the music provided to your ears today was brought to you by First World. It was also made possible by all of you, so thank you for all your continued support on this journey. Yo, something <laughs> something smells like feet, but it's not my feet. How can you smell my feet through the phone? Oh, bitch. <laughs> God. Huele a pata. No, what do you, right. what do you say? Está podrido? What do you say? Está podrido, for sure.